Hi, welcome to Matters of the Heart and Soul. I'm your host, Janie Charlotte. Matters of the Heart and Soul is a podcast to raise awareness and awaken humanity to all that is within. We want to be a beacon of light on your life journey. of the Heart and Soul podcast. I am your host, Janie Charlotte, and I am sitting next to my co-host, Russell Bruce. Yes, yes. Good. So today's show, we are actually talking about near-death experiences. So tell us about that, Russell. All right. So this topic here will probably make some people's toes and ears curl, (laughs) but I think it's necessary, especially with all the fear of the coronavirus going on. I think this is actually a good topic and a good time. So uh, once again, we have Scott Mesta joining us here today. Scott is a dear friend of mine. We were roommates in college back in 1982, (laughs) back at Westminster College. Scott, while at Westminster College, No hitters. Scott pitched several one hitters, struck out 17 hitters in a game. He averaged 14 strikeouts per nine innings. He also had personal tryouts with four major league teams, such as the Pittsburgh Pirates, Atlanta Braves, New York Mets. And he made the final cutout for the Cincinnati Reds back in Detroit. And there were 30, there were 3,000 people who actually tried out. Scott made it down to the final eight pitchers, but towards Rotator Cup, which is mm-hmm. the chance of actually making it. Scott currently is an entertainment executive, which he's been doing for 30 years. And he's the CEO and founder of a producer representative company helping independent filmmakers secure domestic and foreign distribution deals. And he also works as a film production consultant. Scott is a husband, father of four beautiful children, and has actively been researching near-death experiences for the past several years. And he has listed the commonalities, and he's compiled it from all different walks of life. And he would love to share that with us today. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Hey, Russ. Hey, Janie. Hey, wow, that was quite an introduction. Yeah, it was. I didn't know all that stuff about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Man, wow. Yeah. So, Scott, talk to us. Tell us a little bit about near-death experiences. Well, it's something that I started researching several years ago. Um, I've always been just an incredibly curious person, and I was praying that I would just be shown the truth. That was my simple prayer. I just want to know the truth because I had a lot of issues with the Bible. Um, I think that it's a, it's a wonderful guide and there's a lot of things in there that are true, I'm sure. Um, But I just had an issue with it because, you know, there's 600 variations of the Christian religion and they can't all be right. So I had a problem with that. And also, you know, it's, it says in the, the Christians believe that if you're not a Christian, you won't make it to heaven. I had a problem with that. There's there were stories in the Bible like Noah's flood and Adam and Eve and things like that that didn't quite gel with me. So I was like, what's the best way to to get an understanding and know the truth, but to get it from firsthand experiences from people who have actually died, crossed over, 
had their experience and then wrote it down. And it's becoming much, much more prevalent these days because of the internet and people's access to everything. Um, you know, 20 years ago, people could have a near death experience, but the only way you'd hear about it is if they happened to write a book and there's been mil millions of people that have had near death experiences. And there's a lot of commonalities that I found after when I got into like four or 500 experiences that I read or either watched videos or whatever, I started seeing these commonalities. Well, I, I started to solidify, solidify the commonalities that I kept seeing um, as I was reading and watching these things. And, and I came to realize that, you know, these things are coming from all walks of life. They're coming from all different kinds of religions, come from China, Japan, uh, India, Africa, the U.S., Canada, England, you know, the U.K., everywhere. And they still have all these commonalities. And my thought is not my thought. My, my, what I know is these things have to be real and they have to be true. And I find them to be much more relevant than anything that we've been taught in the past. And so I continue to read. In fact, I read, I read near death experiences pretty much every day. It's like the first thing I do when I get in front of my computer is I, I read a couple of them because it just, it just fills my spirit with joy and it, it gives me the knowledge of, of what's real. Right. Um, so, and I, I wanted, if it's okay with you guys, I wanted to just pray real quick before we get deeper into this. Um, yeah. Okay. Dear father, God, I ask you that, that you give the three of us the wisdom and the knowledge to say all the right things that to share your word. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you open the minds of everyone that's listening to this, that they can just for a minute, open their minds and their spirits and listen to what we have to say in its totality before making any sort of judgment and to just take from it what you want them to take from it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And so it is. Yes. Yes, yes. All right, Scott, let's jump right into it. Why don't you give us like an account of one of these near-death experiences and, and start giving us some of the commonality traits of these experiences across the board? I'd love to. Um, and, and if you just, I'm just curious, like, because you said it's like you're waking up and this is what you're, it's like your spirit is drawing you to this, like, and it's different. It, you know, everybody's not drawn to look up near-death experiences so are you able to kind of are you bridging it together like why you are drawn to this um i think part of it is my curiosity and i i think you know always praying that i just want to know what the truth is whatever that means if if the truth is that every word in the bible is correct then so be it but i've always just prayed for the truth and and I'm not sure why I've been drawn to do this, but I feel like I'm called to let everyone know about this because I've learned the meaning of life from reading these experiences. I mean, truly, it it just throws a lot of things on its head. But if you can open your spirit and your mind and just really just take it in and embrace it, you you begin to understand that, man, this this is what's important, you know, and, and just one thing. The, the one simple message that God or the spirit guides give these people that have passed over, 
the biggest, most important message that they always, not, well, I can't say always, but pretty much always give is God wants us to love, be compassionate and forgiving to all people in our lives. And I know mm-hmm. it's extremely hard. Even those that you don't care for, people who have done you wrong and things like that. That's what God wants us to do. And if you think about the simplicity of that, that if we all actually lived our lives like that, there would be no wars. There would be no hate. There'd be no prejudice. There'd be none of this negative experiences that we have. And so I just want to get that word out and just help people to realize that is what God wants us to do. Yeah. It's just love, period. Yeah. And that is all God's energy is pure, unconditional love. And I'll get into it as we start going. But I mean, people who, you know, no matter what religion you are, Hindus, Muslims, uh, you know, Buddhists, no matter what, they, they go and they're embraced by God. And God tells them, I love all my children. I want all of you to be with me, you know? And so love. that's where, what, Russ? Love is the real religion. Love is the real religion. And, and that is what is important. You know, it's not the dogma of religion. And, you know, and a lot of people who, who go to the other side and come back, they become a lot less religious and a lot more spiritual and closer to God. Because they say that, and this is common, that religion just simply doesn't encompass what God is. He's no. infinitely bigger than what any man-made religion can tell us about, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, you guys want me to read this one experience that I have here? Yeah, I think my question threw you off, but I think we yeah, also that, had that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, this is from a girl named Lori, um, and she drowned when she was a girl. Okay. And I, I didn't take, I didn't put down the whole thing, but it's most of it. Um, so here I go. The last thing I remember was saying, God, please help me. Without oxygen, I grew weaker and eventually stopped struggling entirely. I went limp in the cold darkness of the water, and suddenly I could f- no longer feel the burning and ache of the water in my lungs. The darkness around me grew completely white, and I felt as if I was rushing at the, at the light of speed through a tunnel. This is very common. You'll hear this like in almost every experience that they go through this tunnel or they go into a void and then a tunnel. But anyways, um, I felt warm as the pain left me at peace with myself and the environment around me. Unconditional, pure love radiated all around me and into me. Love Mm -hmm. Love covered me like a warm blanket from an unknown source. As I left the tunnel, I was aware of parts of my body that were visible, like my hands, arms, chest. And, and by the way, a lot of people, a lot of people report that when they first cross over, they have some body, like some body form, but as they get deeper into the experience, they become pure light. So that's funny that she mentions that in the beginning, she had these, you know, arms and a chest and hands. Um, mm-hmm. Looking down, I couldn't see any feet. <laughs> I did see a silver cord attached to my body, which had a luminescence to it. Looking around me, I could see a room that appeared to be formed from pure white clouds, yet it wasn't solid. In the room were three beings made of shimmering crystal. Light shone through them like a glass prism, forming a rainbow. One was larger than the other two, but all of them spoke to me. When they spoke, their messages were sent telepathically. Another total commonality that there is no... If you ever read an experience where people say, 
you know, the spirit guide was physically talking to me or I was physically talking to them, you know that it's not real. In fact, as I list out these commonalities, you'll, you'll see that you'll be able to discern whether or not they're real or not. Cause obviously there's going to be people that fake it, right. Mm-hmm. For some, whatever reason they have, but anyways, so when they spoke, they, they, they were sent, the messages were sent telepathically. They could read my thoughts instantly looking into their eyes. There were, they were shades of intense colors that changed and shifted like electric sparks, almost as if, as if I was watching a DVD still spinning in its in a DVD player. And the love radiated from their eyes as if I was the most precious creation God had ever placed into existence. Very common. It was as if they knew me intimately, yet I didn't feel uncomfortable feeling that they did. The larger angel said, you have arrived too soon. The time has not come yet for you to be here. You must go back and finish your work on earth. Another huge commonality. But since you are here, I will show you things. I saw scenes of my life from the moment of my conception to the moment I fell out of the kayak in the river. It was like watching a movie. I was instantly reminded of all the things I did for others or failed to do for someone. Mm-hmm. One of the, and, and this is another, like one of the most critical commonalities that I read is when you are doing your life review, you're not being judged by your spirit guide or by God or by any of the spirits. You are always, and this is always, I've never had it differently than this. You're always judging yourself. And, and it's not always just what you do for others, but just as important is what you fail to do for others. When you see someone need in need and you don't help them, that's just as critical as when you actually do help other people. And it's not only your actions, it's also your thoughts. And this yeah. is something that, that I, I constantly work on because I think as, as a human being, we're just kind of pre pre-programmed to be this way. But you know, you see someone who is maybe overweight or, or this or that. And, and that thought comes into your, you know, you maybe have a negative thought in your head or someone cuts you off. You have a negative thought in your head. God hears every single thought that you ever have. So it's really good practice to just think positively about everyone. And that's when it gets into that unconditional love stage, right? Which I think for humans is almost impossible to do. But if you keep practicing it and try to get as close to that as possible, that's pretty much what all we can do, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question. So this is great stuff, by the way. It is amazing right. stuff. It, so, it gets, it gets better. <laughs> so, so when you speak of uh, the person, you know, like crossing over and you become your own judge, so to speak, right? Yes. All right. Is it because God is within us? Like that whole energy, like we turn back into energy. We're like, like and I always use the drop of water in the ocean, right? That's right. Like, take that drop of water from the ocean and take it home, do whatever, but it's still ocean water. So it goes back eventually to its source. So is it because we are microcosms of the macrocosm? We are children of the most high. We we are many gods coming from the greater God. So it's like you can't hide what you do in your own head or in the dark or whatever, because God's within you, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all connected and that's another huge commonality that I'll share with you later, but we are all connected and people who are experiences, they, many of them say the same thing that we are all one. And like you said, Russell, we're like, 
we're like a drop of water in the ocean. We are still that individual drop, that unique drop, but collectively we are the ocean and it's, and it's the same thing. And when you're in pure spirit form, there's no hiding. Like when you're, when you're watching your life review, there's, there's no, there's no lying. There's no excuses. There's none of that stuff. It just is what it is because you're in your pure spirit form. And that's, I think why you're able to judge yourself because there's no way of sugarcoating anything. It is what it is. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and uh, an amazing thing too, about this is when you're doing your life review, you literally, so, so you relive every instant in your life. Right. And, and it happens instantaneously, by the way, because in, in, on the other side, there is no time, there is no space. Like, so you're able to download your entire life instantly and, and not only download it, but understand it on, in an intimate way. Right. Um, but, but as, as you do that, um, you not only experience your interactions with other people and not just people, every living thing, but you actually feel what they felt. That's the important part of this thing. You feel every, if you did somebody wrong, if you made someone feel ashamed or embarrassed or whatever, you feel exactly what they felt at that time. And imagine the power of that, of feeling exactly what the other people felt, you know? And, And that's another thing that I just practice all the time because I just try to be good and loving towards everyone. Because when I go to the other side, I don't wanna have those negative experiences you know, and when I was younger, man, I did a lot of stuff that I'm not happy, you know, not happy about. And, you know, I, all I can do is from this point on be a better person, you know, so. Scott, let, let me ask you a question. You're in the film industry. So based upon what you're saying, it, it brings to mind a scene from the movie Powder. Did you ever see Powder? I did. Remember the scene where the guy, I guess, hunted, I guess it was a deer. I know exactly where you're going with this. Powder, yeah. Powder grabbed the guy's hand and then he put his other hand on a deer as the deer was dying. And the guy was able to feel the uh, the deer's fear of, of dying, like it was mm-hmm. about to die. And he put that feeling in the guy and, and the guy was trying to tell everybody. And, you know, he just went hysterical. Yep. yep. I remember that scene. That was like the best scene in that whole movie. As the kid, the the powder kid grabs the hunter and he just goes like he just freaks out because he's feeling the the pain of the deer and the fear of the deer. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's probably very similar to that. But very I similar think we, to that. I think we can do that now. We just have to be in the present moment with people. Um, but because I feel energy all the time. Um, I can feel people's pain and their hurt. I could sometimes see it in their face. Um, I think it's an empath. I think empaths feel, yeah. feel more so. And I can feel their anxiety. I could feel, and, and I feel it. And um, But imagine if we could really feel that on this side of the veil. That would be, that would be amazing. If everybody could feel what they're doing to the other person. Yes. I mean, just think how that would change all of us. But, you know, we're here in our, we're here in our meat suits with our, with our little, unbelievably limited mind yeah. and unfortunately there's not a lot of people that even come close to having the the empathy that that they need like they would in the spirit realm 
you know? So I think what people should do is just practice and try to be the best person they can be, you know? And I, I wish more people were like that, but unfortunately we are what we are right at this point. So, so Scott, if, um, do you agree that if, if, we return back to unconditional love. We, we have always been love. Um, and how do you on this side of the veil practice that? You say we should practice that every day because this platform, this podcast is about being a beacon of light. So how do we practice that? Um, I think things stem from healing because sometimes you don't even know that you're being, you know, a jerk. Mm -hmm. And you have to be aware. Somebody have to bring it to your attention. So what are some of the the things you believe that as humanity we could do to get to that unconditional love and practice more of that on this side? Well, I think first is is understanding the truth of what God wants us to do, right? So if we can first just simply understand that God wants us to love unconditionally, be compassionate and forgiving, if we can use that as our basis and just be conscious of it all the time, as best yeah. as we can. And I'm not perfect, man. I still have negative thoughts towards people. And, you know, but, but what I find myself doing now is if I have a negative thought towards someone, I ask God to forgive me, even yeah. though, you know, he already does, but I ask God to forgive me. And I, I jot it down in my brain as that was something that you shouldn't have done. You need to rectify it. You, you, you need to not do that again. And, yeah. if you keep, and if you keep doing that enough, you know, you'll find yourself, I think, doing it less and less and, yeah. and trying to get closer to that unconditional love. I mean, it's so hard in this world that we live in. You know, this world, unfortunately, is pretty evil. So yeah. there's a it, it, and, you know, it's a war. I tell my kids this all the time. I tell them every morning, Russell, I think I told you this, but I tell my kids every morning or almost every morning, I tell them when I drop them off for school that, you know, who are you going to love today? Who are you going to show compassion towards today? You know, and then when I pick them up from school, I ask them, who did you show love towards today? Who did you show compassion to today? And, you know, it's really simple stuff. Like I held the door for somebody or I picked up a pencil for my my uh, schoolmate or, you know, just these little things. And I was like, that's love, buddy. It that's is love. You know, that that's what God wants us to do. Yeah. And I tell them all the time. Also, I tell them we are at war with evil. I mean, it, it, you know, that sounds like cliche maybe, but it's a fact. Mm -hmm. We are at war with evil spirits on earth. And we need to be the beat. Like you said, Janie, the beacon of light. We need to be, if, if all we can do is just ourselves shine the light out into the world and show people that we have the light and you spread that out, it's like the ripple effect. I talked about, about this all the time. You throw a rock in, the, in a pond and it creates this ripple. And mm -hmm. what kind of ripple do you want to create? You want to create a loving ripple or a negative ripple? And even, even when, like, if my son says something bad to her, his sister or something, I'll say, Davis, I don't mean just call out Davis, but <laughs> I'll say, you know, you just created a negative ripple. Now that's going to ripple out to her. Then it's going to ripple out from her to someone else and someone else and out into the universe. That's you know, right. you need to understand that. 
You know, what we need to do is send out ripples of love and be the light. Yeah. And I, and I mean, my kids are young, but I've been teaching them this for, for years. And imagine if all parents, if all parents started their kids with this type of unconditional love teaching, imagine what the earth will look like when they're, when they're running it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's what I hope we can at least help. Even if we have one person listen to this, uh, learn something about the true meaning of life, then I'm going to be happy, you know? Yeah. It's almost like creating a trend or a fad and how people are faddish. I always say we got to find out a way to, to make God cool and sexy again. Right. Yeah. So aren't looking. And I think that's where religion has done a disservice. And I think all the fire and brimstone teaching, you know, because if God is love, why do we teach so much fear when it comes to, to God? And one of, one of the things I have a problem with is, you know, they'll say God loves you more, like a thousand times more than your parents and all that. But it's like, there is nothing I could have ever done to make my mom want to throw me in a lake of fire. For me to throw my kids into a lake of fire. Exactly. So, so exactly. to me, that, that doesn't make sense. So it's like, we, we need to get away from that. I think there has to be this universal unlearning and, and a relearning of what the truth really is, because these accounts are real. You know, I, I also spent some time looking into it and you know, we can't totally discount it. It's like, if I wanted to learn how to lift weights, I hang around somebody that lift weights. If I wanted to do whatever, I hung around people who did that. Mm-hmm. If I want to know what happens to the other side, you go to the source, go to the people that did it. You don't go to somebody that never experienced it. And all they did was read it in a book. You know, like you wouldn't go to a marriage counselor <laughs> that was never married. It's like, exactly it work. So I think what you've done is a great work. And I think this information is very valuable, even though it may make some people uncomfortable. You know, it's real. I yeah. have a, que- a question here. Can you share some of the accounts of those people who, who crossed over? They've experienced the panoramic view, a uh, review of their life, things of that nature. And then they were sent back because they were told that they weren't finished here. Like, what are some of the reasons why they're sent back? Um. It, it's real simple. It's to help others mm. and, to, and to spread the word of love. That's, that's from what I've read. That's, that's what it is. A lot of people come back and they don't know what their mission is. Like they say, I'm still trying to figure it out, but Hey, in the meantime, you know, I opened the daycare center. Or I go visit uh, the elderly when they're dying and talk to them about my experience. They're already doing it. They don't even know it, but mm. what, what, I mean, if God's simple message is to love and show compassion and be forgiving, then that's something that these people that are sent back, that's what they do need to do more of is to, is to spread that. And I think it's, I think it's that simple, you know, and, and you'll find that a lot of people who pass and come back, um, they become so active in helping other people because they realize that's what God wants us to do. Right. And, and Russ, you touched on something a second ago and you said, you know, the fire and brimstone and, you know, the vengeful God and the wrathful God and all that. Right. And, and especially in the Old Testament, that's what you you see. And and my thought is, if if God never changes, God's always been and always will be. God can't change. 
he's always been unconditional love. And like you said, the love of your mom, right? The love of my mom. Exactly. And he, he loves us infinitely more than that. How could he send you to the terrible place, which is hell? Now, I do believe in hell, by the way. Um, and I do believe that some people do go there. But I think those are people that completely turn their back on God and are completely just evil. And I don't know if people are born with evil spirits or what, but I, I think that those are the, the few that do go there. But the vast majority of the experiences that I've read, like literally, I would say 98% of them, they go to heaven. And even people who, who do go to a hell-like place first, if they call out the name of God or ask God or Jesus to help them, a light will come through into where they are, hell, whatever you want to call it. And snatch them up out of there and take them to the good place, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So even those people that have been <clears throat> been evil or bad, and they go and they don't go to heaven, they go to this hell place. They still are able to call out on God and get snatched up out of there. And that's an amazing message, man. Mm -hmm. You know. And and going back, you know, God fear. Russell, you and I talked about this like 20 years ago. Humans possess two feelings, two core feelings, fear and joy, right? Every feeling that you feel can be categorized, subcategorized under those two feelings. Fear is the negative, the evil side. So how could God be invoking fear? It doesn't make any sense. Fear, mm -hmm. fear is the devil or, exactly. the, or the evil energy. That's yeah. what the devil, and I tell my kids this all the time. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to fear. God wants you to never fear, to mm -hmm. always just be in the light of love, you know? So how could, how could God be condemning people and be this wrathful God if what we should be, we just should be doing without fear completely? It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And when you read these experiences, you'll see there is none of that. When you're in the heavenly realm, there is nothing but pure, unconditional, no matter who you are, it's pure, unconditional love, you know? So, yeah, anyways. Yes, and so, and I totally agree with that. And one of the things that, that kind of gets under my skin is that it seems like within a religious community, they spend more time telling you to fear God than they do to love God. It's wrong. Right. Which, which is somewhat of an oxymoron. Cause it's like, it should all be about love. I'm talking about love is really the only thing that exists. Fear is the illusion that we buy into. But I think in some cases it's a crime of omission for commission uh, by not telling people the truth. Some of these churches have become extremely wealthy you know, and to keep people in fear, like a lot of people live like the devil during the week and go lay their burdens down on Sunday for a mm -hmm. couple hours and then come back just to repeat and do the same thing. So it's almost like there's no elevation of consciousness or, or spirituality that it's just, you know, something to do to like medicate themselves to make them feel better about what they're doing. Yep. I know. So let me ask you question i think one time before we did speak on the council of nicaea like 325 a.d and a lot of people refer to it where a lot of say the christian religion you know had its origins and its foundation 
But a lot of people don't realize that that was just one of nine ecumenical councils. And at each one of those councils, it was something was added or deleted to the religion. One council, uh, they did away with reincarnation, but there's still like within scripture, you can still find some accounts where they speak of reincarnation. Mm -hmm. uh, then there were others where hell didn't exist, where hell was added into the mix. Interesting. So, you know, you'll hear, yeah, and there's like a couple of Jewish rabbis recently written some great articles on this thing, right? That it was all created and they tell you exactly when it was created. So if you go back in time, like the early church, all the way up to present day, over like a 400 year period, there were a lot of changes. Like there's lost books of the Bible where some of the books that they decided, oh, this is a little too controversial. You know, this one's a little too liberating. We're going to leave this one out. Yeah. For whatever reason, you know, there were a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of things that were omitted and added, right? Yeah. Then also you had the 16 crucified saviors before Christ, which talked about these deities, including going all the way back to Egypt, dealing with uh, Horus and dealing with Isis and Osiris, or say, hey, Ru. And, and I said, but just saying that to say that, you know, at the end of the day, God is real and that we should worship God in spirit. But I think what happens with people trying to deify their culture, all these different religions were created and physical deities, even though there were some people who walked the face of the earth who did great things. And the thing is, they never stop, man. It's like prophets still continue to come. Like people like Martin Luther King, these people are still prophets. Thousands of years from now, books will be written. It's like yeah. we're stuck in history by just going back, talking about these people who lived two, 4,000 years ago, you know, because the Bible story starts 4004 BC, right? Mm -hmm. But we haven't been here for millions of years. Yeah. So getting off on a little tangent, but just bringing it all back because there were people who were dying, say, prior to Jesus, prior to Moses, prior, prior to Abraham, and they were experiencing the same thing because at the end of the day, it's all about energy. When you talk about them going into that spirit realm, into that light body, it's an energy body. That's right. You know, when you physically die, the body goes cold because the energy leaves the body. And that energy, right, the basic law of thermodynamic energy, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It just moves and changes shape and form, meaning you always were and you always will be. That's right. So if we come from the creator and the creator is infinite, we are infinite. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical existence that we call life. That's right. We're all one and all into the same love. Scott, I have a question. This is kind of a little bit of a twist. Um, so you are out in L.A., right? Uh, Huntington Beach, Orange County, yeah. Okay, and you are in the entertainment film industry. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> we talk a lot about religion, but I also believe that, that the film industry has such a huge persuasion. And can really plant love or fear in by the masses 
So I'm just curious to know in your industry in which this new found truth that you have, like, what do you want to do with that? How do you want to impact your industry? Do you want to, um, and you know, you probably haven't even thought about this, but, um, I'm just curious because, because, you know, we don't, I don't see movies on this. I don't see this kind of stuff. So, there's been there's been a there's been a few movies. What? What, Russ? But unless you have a deep consciousness, like you know, with Avatar and really knowing, you know, and really understanding the messages in there. But I'm talking about people, like the basic message of life is unconditional love. So I'm just curious, like what? Great question, yeah. Scott. What's your take on that? Well, there there have been there have been several movies about near death experiences. Actually, um, one was 90 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, there was another one, Heaven is for Real, um, and, a, and several others. So there have been movies made like that. And yeah, I've actually given it some thought, but, you know, that's not really what I do. Like, if I had the opportunity to, to create something like that, I would love to. But um, what I do in the industry is, is more on the, the backside of it, as opposed to, like, creating different stories and, like, being a writer or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not my, my thing. But if I continue to tell people about this, maybe I'll catch the air of someone that, that does do that. In fact, I just, a producer mm-hmm. just called me just as we were talking. Um, and he's someone that I've talked to about this a little bit. Um, but you never know. I mean, it is something that I wish there'd be more films made like that because it needs to get out, but I'd like it to be actually what I'd like to see is, is not a, not a, a narrative, but more, or not like a, just a story, but more of a, like a documentary where you're mm-hmm. talking about like, in, like facts as opposed to opinion. Yeah. I'd like to see something made where it's really just dealing with the facts of research and, and not just opinions of something or not just one person's story, but telling many people's stories. Like, what yeah. we're going to talk about in a minute is, you know, the, the commonalities of what you see with near-death experiences. I think that would be more impactful to people than just having one person's experience. And by the way, 90 Minutes of Heaven and Heaven is for those movies did gangbusters in the box office. They they made a lot of people went out to see it, you know. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of curiosity out there, right? Because it's like like today I posted this post which I post every now and then and I heard a preacher say it years ago but it stuck with me he said that people go through life as if life is certain and death is uncertain but in reality it's the opposite Mm -hmm. death is certain life is uncertain he said that we would all have our chance up there in front of everybody in that casket right yeah that we Nobody gets out of here alive, right? Les That's Brown says true. that. He's like, you might as well live this life as full as you can because nobody gets out alive. That's right. No matter how hard you try, you don't get out of this physical reality alive. But that energy body is eternal. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? So It is. And, and, and it's funny yeah. because the next sentence of this experience says exactly that. <laughs> Are we still on Lori? We are. If if you guys want me to, I can kind of just finish yeah, it. Yeah, it's just a few more. I'm sorry. We got, let's get back to Lori. No, man. I could I could I could talk to you guys about this stuff like literally forever. 
Um, so, yeah. so I left off. Um, it was like watching a movie. It reminded me of all the things I did for others or failed to do for someone. Um, one of the smaller angels said, I'm Yashil. I have been with you since the dawn of time, and I will be with you for eternity. This is something that is said to people, to their spirits, over and over again. That you... I mean, hmm? beautiful. I mean, it's putting me in this amazing love energy. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. This whole conversation is, but I mean, just because it it feels so warm and it feels so loving. Yep. Takes the fear out. It, it it does. And that's the, that's the liberating thing about this is it takes the fear out the exact opposite of what God wants you to be feeling. Right. So, um, but going on, um, then Yashiel says to her, I'm paraphrasing that, um, you must go back. You have to be there for them. I will show you what you can look forward to until then, then you have to go back to your body. Now, this is interesting because, um, I would say it's about 50, 50, where maybe it's a little 70, 30, where when the person is on the other side, they either are asked, the spirit says, do you want to go back or do you want to stay here? Sometimes they say, you have to go back. Like there's, there's no <laughs> choice. And then they will fight like always. They're like, I don't want to go back. And they're like, I cry. Yeah, also yeah. want to go back. Yeah. That was my next Yeah, one. like I don't want yeah. to go back. And I cried like a little baby and I pleaded and begged with them not to make me go back. And then they'll show them things yeah. like, like, for instance, I was reading this one about this mom who had died and the, the spirit was like, you have to go back. You, your life isn't finished yet. You're like, I don't want to go back. And then the, the, the spirit said, look at your child. Like she had a, a, a baby boy. Look at your child. He's going to, he's yeah. going to need you. And they always, the spirit always poses an argument that like makes it undeniable. Like, in your true spirit form, you're like, yeah, I guess I do have to go back. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. okay. So it goes on instantly. Yashio and I were teleported to the center of a vast golden field. I could hear the most beautiful music. This is very common. And I could feel it moving through me. The breeze blew against the tall golden wheat stalks. And as it did, I could feel the spirit of all things living around me, animals, plants, the elements. I was one with them. See, the drop in the ocean, right? Wow. I looked up and saw a wow. huge ball of light that, that cast the purest warm light all around me and felt God touch my skin. He knew me. He loved me no matter how imperfect my earthly life had been. I was perfect right. and whole. I felt no pain. The angel took me higher and I felt like I was soaring endlessly. I could see a huge waterfall with no beginning and no end. Love and peace reigned here. I sense the presence of loved ones, another very common. Th- That's why I love this experience because there's so many commonalities in here. I sense the presence of loved ones that had passed on, but I didn't see them. We moved over a golden field and at the end of it was a country fence. And beyond that was an enormous tree with a canopy of gold leaves. When the breeze touched the leaves, they would fly off in the tr- from the tree's branches in the shape of colorful birds of all varieties. There was a lake beside it and it flowed on both sides of the boundary. I looked down into the water and it had a gloss to it like liquid mercury does. That's another, people have said that over and over that the water there, it doesn't look exactly like water, but it looks more like liquid mercury um, or silvery almost. Um, Mm. And then she says, but when you look through it, you can see people that are living on earth. 
People, mm. Yashil said again, I have been with you since the dawn of time and I will be with you for eternity. You cannot cross the barrier. Remember, Russ, we were talking about the barrier and the, and the silver cord. Um, it is time for you to go back to your existence on earth. You have work to finish first. Words cannot express the sorrow I felt to have to leave that place. I cried and begged for him to let me stay. He said, when it is time, I will come for you. But for now, and with that, he wrestled my spirit back into my earthly body with so much force. And they talk about this too, that like when you go back into your body, it's not like a gentle thing. It's like a very forceful thing, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're putting this enormous, infinite energy into this little tiny meat suit, right? Yeah. So, and, and they always say that I feel so, I felt so cramped and heavy and, ugh, you know, um, so I was forced in my earthly body with so much force that I was popped clear of the rocky hole that I was trapped in under the water. Because of my NDE, I am closer to God and realize now that life is not a series of consequences, but, but of parallels and choices. My choices directly mm -hmm. affect those around me, and we are all interconnected. My, my mm -hmm. NDE has and will continue the, to be the most metaphysically profound experience I've ever had. I was brought to tears writing this memory of my experience because the words pale in comparison to all the things that I saw, felt, and heard during my journey into the heavenly realm. I'm not, I'm not religious, but I remain closer to spirit than ever because of my NDE. I know that there are dimensions beyond this one and that I am here for a reason. I have a purpose, and until it is fulfilled, I will be here. The end. Wow. That is deep. Isn't that? That was isn't it and, and here's the beauty guys there's thousands of these like if you guys start reading this you'll see that it's just a a lot of the stuff that she was talking about are so common and when you have somebody who's an atheist from china and they experience the same thing as mm -hmm. as a, a muslim from indonesia or someone from russia and they're they're, they're saying the same stuff it's impossible to deny it. It's literally impossible. And, you know, and scientists say, oh, it's just the brain producing this chemical and this and that. Impossible. No. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe it. So the murky water and, and she was able to see through and it looked like she could see everybody on Earth. What is that, Scott? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure, but I've, but I, I do know that in the, a lot, a lot of the experiences people do are able to see what's going on on earth. They can see earth. Mm -hmm. They can see what's. Cause you have the veil that there's a veil that keeps, keep us from not being able to see in the spiritual realm. But sometimes that veil is lifted or sometimes you can see, it's like seeing through the fog. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard different things about that. So I was just wondering if that was something. What about the cord thing? Oh, um, so many times people talk about that they're connected. Like the, the first part of the first part of a near-death experience is, you know, someone, they leave their body, right? Their spirit le mm -hmm. leaves their body and they're looking down at what they're looking down at their body. And another very common thing is, most of the time when they're looking at their body, they're looking at it very um, matter of factly, like with indifference, mm -hmm. like, oh, that's my body. Oh, well, I'm, I'm here now, you know, the spirit 
leave the body up to three days before actual death? Like, have in your research and reading, have you read anything up on that? I'm sorry, say that again. Um, I've just read a few things where the spirit can actually leave the body up to like three days. Like I've even heard that the soul or the spirit stays around even after the funeral. Like, cause like they want to see well, how are people going to react and stuff like that. Uh, Have you read? Yes, kind of. But, but those are people, those are people that are still just too connected to earth and to them as humans. And so, uh, so yes, that I have, okay. I have read stuff like that. But the vast, okay. the vast majority of them, they will see okay. the light, the pinpoint of light, and they are so drawn to it that they literally are like, I don't care what's going on on Earth. I just want to go to that light. Like it's like an undeniable force drawing them to it. So, but I have read where people have stuck around and I've read where, you know, people have kind of hung on to their, their earthly, like their human part of them. And yeah, I guess that can happen. I don't know about the three day thing, but um, but the vast majority of people that go to the other side, they can't wait to get to heaven. They can't wait. Mm-hmm. They can't wait to be in that realm, you know. So, but but there are those that hang on to their earthly presence, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's like what ghosts are or whatever, but um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what. Yeah, they are. I've I've read some things. Where they're trapped. Yeah. Right. It's energy. Like, say somebody who, somebody snuck up behind them and shot them in the back of the head. They may not even know that they died because it's so instant and the spirit leaves. And then they're like, wonder why people can't see them. Things of that nature. And they have trouble letting go. And going back, a possible answer to Janie's question about the veil looking back at Earth, when they're trying to convince them that they need to go back. Maybe it's like trying to show them their child or something they love on earth to try to convince them that they do need to go back and why they need to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me, let, let me say this while we're on this topic. I, I read years ago, the book peace and the light by Daniel Brinkley, who, who actually had three near death experiences. Yep. He was struck by lightning twice. First time he was dead for 28 minutes and he came back to life and he talked about his account which was exactly like everything you said scott mm-hmm. a panoramic view all of that also in one of his death experiences he talked about this like city or where he was at while he was on the other side it was like these houses made out of glass and plants things of that nature and plants play a pretty big role in this and you may have more information on it he talked about like the first time that he died and his spirit left outside of his body and he's watching him operate on him and he's listening to the thoughts and everything of the doctors. But one of the things he said that stuck with me was he said that the plants in the room cared more for him than the people did. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It, it doesn't surprise yeah, me. I, and, they, and, and, and he said that he could feel he, he knew exactly what the doctors were thinking or feeling like he he knew exactly like you actually become in tune in your spirit form. You literally feel what everybody's feeling, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So going back to that, he talked about this city that he was in on the other side with the glass and the windows. I've had at least three people that were close to me pass that have come back to me in, in my dreams. 
and they were like vivid dreams. So I take it they were a little bit special, right? Yeah. And all took me to where they were at, let me know that they were just fine. Like I would fly in spirit form and I actually went to one of these cities where the houses were all made out of glass and yeah. plants. And it was exactly the way he described it in the book. I read the book after I had actually experienced it and it made the hair on the back of my neck stand. Up. I, I, I hear you, man. And they talk about, they talk about the, the roads or the paths are, are pure gold. In fact, they're so pure that you can see through it. And, wow. and I read up on that and, and like literally you can make gold so pure that it looks like glass, you know? And yeah. And the cities are so beautiful and it's just, Everything about heaven is just, it's just pure beauty. You know, they say that the, the colors that you see there are colors that are beyond the spectrum that we can see with our human eyes. Like they, they oh, talk yeah. about that a lot. Like I saw these colors that I never even knew existed, you know, and, and, and everything emits like this, this light, like the plants rust, everything, everything in heaven, it emits light. Even the grass, it, it emits this light. You know, like in the movie Avatar. Exactly. Avatar. They, they probably got that from near-death experiences, man. <laughs> exactly. He had to be extremely enlightened. I'm wait enlightened. I'm waiting for the uh, yeah. for two and three to come out. Yeah, I know. Scott, I don't know if you you really have the answer to this, but um, so then why everyone does? Are what is who decides? Okay, you need to go to Earth. Now, who do you? I don't, and I don't know if you have that. Like, I don't know if you've read up on that. Like, you know, okay, we're here, but how is that uh, other than you know, okay, you do your life review and you decide, well, maybe I need to go back and learn this lesson and you reincarnate. But I'm saying, if you've been in heaven and you're loving it there, then what is the determining thing that oh, I need to come back down to this lower? dimension here so this is this is where there's a big separation between religion and the spiritual community right scott i'll, I'll wait for your answer I, I have my thoughts on that um i don't know i don't know the answer other than you know they all they right. always say that you have more work to do that's what they you, your your job isn't finished on earth yet that's what they that's what they say so Okay. That must be the determining factor. And because we live here in our free will, you know, sometimes you put yourself in a situation where you end up being killed when maybe you sh shouldn't have. I don't know. But they always they the common thing is they say your time hasn't come yet. You're not supposed to be here yet. So I, you have to. I get it. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I would imagine that the spirits are getting this information from God himself that he's saying that. Because I've even had spirits where they're like, I need to go check and see. Um, that's not very common, but I've, I've read that before. But um, for one reason or another, they have to come back. But it's always because they have more work to do. Right? So, so let me share this. So here, here are the two trains of thought. Like in the religious community, right? It's all about this physical reality is the only life you get. And when it's done, you know, you either go to heaven or hell, right? Mm -hmm. That's the religious train of thought. Within the spiritual metaphysical community, this, the soul or the spirit is this 
energetic field that is eternal, right? Yep. And in the old church, prior to some of these ecumenical councils, they spoke of reincarnation, right? So in the purpose of reincarnation, probably what you were saying initially, like who decides, like why come to earth, right? So it's like... Especially why leave all that beauty. (laughs) Right. So say, for example, and, and this is hypothetic, but this is what in the metaphysical spiritual community they speak of, right? So say in this lifetime you were given wealth or beauty or whatever, and you misused it for evil purposes, right? And you treated people bad. So you go through that panoramic view and you judge yourself whether or not, you know, like in ancient Egypt, they had Mayat Holt in the scale where you had to weigh your heart with a feather and your heart had to be as light as a feather Mm. that you, you know, you didn't do all these evil deeds. But say you killed somebody or, you know, you didn't learn how to forgive. So you look at your life review and you go, I got to go back and get that right. So you reincarnate into a situation that would help you to be more loving or more forgiving or whatever it is that your soul needs to continue to elevate. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us have been here before. Right. And, and maybe, Scott, you can come back and do another show because then we have to talk about this whole thing like energy cannot be created nor destroyed it changed move shape and form so you pass over you go to the other side and eventually you decide to reincarnate you come back right so you could study now all the different accounts of these young children who are coming back these star children who remember their past mm-hmm. lives one well i'll give you and i think i shared this with yeah you. This, this kid's three years old and he's telling his parents about he remembers he was killed in his last life, right? He even had a birthmark on his head. And by time, you know, he takes them back to the village in which he used to live in and the guy was still alive because I think it was some six years later or whatever this kid uh, reincarnated, right? And he actually confronts the guy that killed him. He tells the people in the village where his body was buried, where the ax was buried, and the birthmark on his head was where he took the axe blow to his head in his previous life. Yeah. So you hear the same way you hear all these thousands of accounts of people who have died and they tell you what their near-death experience was and they come back. Those who have passed and went on the other side, a lot of times come back into another family. I'll give you one more account. A young lady was run over by a car and she reincarnated evidently kind of quickly and when she was about six or seven she tells her parents she remembers her previous life where she lived and eventually they believed her they take her to the home in which she said she used to live and her old parents were there and she asked them if they still had you know her dolls that she used to always play with in in her cabinets and so forth right and they said well we never touched anything in her room right and they said, if you want to go up and take a look, you can. This girl went straight upstairs to the mm-hmm. closet where she used to have her dolls. The doll was exactly where she said it was. Yeah, mm. yeah, man. There's wow. There's there there's something there. In fact, that's that's the last uh, commonality that I was going to mention was was we've always been and we always will be. And you know, when I first started reading these experiences, I had a really hard time wrapping my head around that. Because I was always taught that, you know, you die, you go to heaven or you go to hell. But as I started reading through these things and I kept hearing over and over again of the, of the spirit guides or, or God or even Jesus saying, 
you have always been and you always will be just like I have always been and I always will be right. And people and a very common theme in experiences is that people say that when they go, they remember that they've been there before when they go to the other side. And, and this is the beauty. They, they call it home. I'm home. I'm finally home again. So many, I mean, it's so common. So many people say that, that I'm, I, I was home again. So if you're home again, that, that means you were there before, right? You know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, yeah. that kind of just builds into it. But yeah, I, I always had a hard time wrapping my head around that whole, that whole part of it, you know, because it, it goes directly against what I've always been taught. But as I kept reading it and reading, I'm like, okay, there's something here. And then Russell, the stories that you just told, I mean, you know, it's pretty compelling evidence that, that that happens, you know, and if you look at things that people learn that are told when they go to the other side is that our, our time on earth is for spiritual development. That's why we're here to, to develop our spirit. So a lot of times if you, you know, you live your life in the wrong way or, or you really didn't work on your spirit, you know, then from what I understand, you're sent back again to work further on your spirit. Now, when does the time come that you go to heaven and you stay there? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I this it varies. Is, this could just be, but from things that I've read, I think you get to enlightenment while you are here on earth. Enlightenment is when you reach unconditional love here on earth. And you are every single day, you're living in that compassion and empathy and unconditional love. And I think once you reach that, you may not have to come back here and to learn any more lessons. If you can acquire heaven on earth. Yeah, I think you've you've reached enlightenment. Right. If you could learn how to create that type of energy here. Yeah. To the best of your And ability. this is what we're doing. And um, Scott, uh, this has been an amazing interview. Um, yes, it has been. It has really been. I mean, we could talk about this all day because this is my yeah. thing. <laughs> um. Any other? Well, Scott, couple two questions I'm going to ask you, and then we'll wrap it up. Um. Today, at this moment in time, what is the current matter of your heart? The current matter of my heart is really simple. It's just to show love to everyone around me and to be compassionate and forgiving to all those in my life. That it's, it's that simple. And to spread the, awesome. and to, and to spread the word. I, I want to just, I, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out how I can get this out to everybody and because I, I just feel like everybody's so many people, the vast majority of everybody walking around, they don't even know anything about this. I tell I talk to people yeah. about it and they look at me like I'm a like I have 12 eyes, you know, and it and it's yeah. And, yeah. And it, this it, is a art. And what we have learned is that it will be drawn to you. Um, what is it when the student is ready, the teacher will appear? So you will learn that you will, in every single walk, every single day, every transaction is always an opportunity to give love and receive love and be love and be the vessel to let love transcend through you as well. Amen. And I wanted to, oh, go ahead, Russ. That's it. Keep speaking the truth. Exactly. Um, Before we go, if we can, this this should only take a couple minutes. Um, and it's the main reason why I'm doing this today 
is I want to I want to talk about these commonalities real quick um, because right. these are facts. These are these are based on my thousands of experience research. Um, it's these things are not my opinion. They're based on the facts that I've read. I need the listeners to understand that. Um, okay, so okay. number one, as in some of these we've already talked about, so I'll just go over it real quick. God is pure, unconditional love and acceptance. All he wants us to do is love, be compassionate, and forgiving to all people. That's number one message that's always given. Oneness with literally everything. And again, like we talked about, it, the individual drop in the ocean. That's, that's who we are. And we are all interconnected. If, and if I look at everybody like they're me, think about what that would do on how you treat them. You know, yeah. everybody you see, everybody you come in contact with, you're connected to them. You are them. I tell my kids that I was like, you are your brother. You are your sister. Why would you treat yourself badly? Right. right? Anyways. Um, right. See them as God. Exactly. Um, and then I mentioned floating above their yeah. body. Um, you know, I read this one instance where this lady was actually blind and she died and she rose above her body and she could see crystal clearly. She explained everything that was happening in the operating room. She floated up through the roof and out, you know, through the tunnel and then when she came back, she said that there was a red tennis shoe on the roof, right? And one of the staff members of the hospital went up there, and sure enough, there was a, a red tennis shoe on the ledge up there. How How is that possible? It's not. That just gave so. me chills. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, when she came back, she was still blind, but she saw everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, Those yeah, too. yeah. Um, and then the other one is either seeing or, or simply feeling the presence of, of or presence or presences that are with them, telling them constantly that are, they are loved and not to worry. These are the spirit spirit guides yeah. helping the newly deceased cross over without fear. Um, the disconnection mm. from their corpse. People have float up. They look down. They see their corp- corpse. And they're like, oh, that's my body. OK, where am I going now? Like, it's just very matter of factly. They, they very rarely are connected <laughs> to their body, which is really interesting. Um, and, and, and the reason why I'm telling you these things is because for those that are listening, when they go to read these near-death experiences, um, it'll help you realize whether or not they're real or not real. Because there are people that are going to write stuff just to fake it. I don't know why they would do that, but it happens. I read some and I'm like, that, this can't be real, right? So as I go through this, yeah. if you remember these things, you'll know that these, this is a real experience versus not. Telepathic communication, Always. They, nobody talks. It's always mm. done through the mind. Instantaneous communication. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, and then when, when they leave their body, they, they either experience a black void. So they're in a space where it's like literally there's no light whatsoever, but they, they, they feel calm and secure, but they're in this like floating in this black void or they travel through a tunnel. And then always they see a light, either if they're in the black void, they'll see a pinpoint of light really far away. And then it starts coming towards them or they're going towards it. A lot of times in the black void, they can't tell if they're traveling or if it's traveling towards them because they can't see it. There's nothing mm-hmm. to reference, right? Um, or the tunnel, going through the tunnel and seeing, seeing the light. Um, time and space has no meaning. Experience, experiences yeah. have said that they felt like they're in the heavenly realm for days, months, even years. But in on, on earthly time, wow. they were only gone for a matter of minutes, but in heaven, they wow. experienced so much that it felt like it was like so long. Right. 
um, the tinsel-like cord that connects the spirit to the body. That's something that we've, we already touched on. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think it's really interesting. And once you cross this barrier, then the cord becomes disconnected and that, and then you can't come back. But that cord for some reason is what's keeping you still connected to your body. If you are, I guess, going to go back. Right. Um, wow. And then uh, earthly words can't describe the beauty, the colors and the sounds no, not known on, on earth. Um, I actually wrote down some excerpts, but I'll, I'll pass through those, uh, moving by will thinking, thinking where you want to be and you're, and you're there instantly. Like, uh, when Lori was with, uh, Yashil and they instantly teleported to another place. Um, that happens, that happens a lot. Seeing and telepathically speaking with dead relatives and dear friends. This is, this is another thing where this can't be science, man. This has, this, this solidifies that this is real. Um, they, they, a lot of times they'll meet relatives that have passed away relatives. They didn't even knew, know they existed. Like they would meet their great, great, great grandparents or great grandparents and stuff like that and have conversations with them. And by the way, these people who died in their old age, when they see them in heaven, they're always in their prime, like in their thirties, they say like the, yeah, they're oh. always in their, like in their thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because they come back and they say, hey, I saw my Uncle Paul. You know, he was Uncle Paul and their family's like uh, the guy, the person's like, I don't know who that is, you know, but there's somebody that was saying they're Uncle Paul. And they're like, oh, your Uncle Paul, he died 30 years before you were born. And then like they'll show a picture of him and they're like, he's like, yeah, that's him. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Super awareness. This is also really important. When people go to the other side, they're hyper aware, right? They're hyper conscious. And they say that that is heaven. And when you're on that other side, that is reality. The, the dream is when you're here on earth, everything's muddy, really muddy and dreamlike here on earth. When you're in the heaven realm, that's when it's, everything is crystal clear and you're hyper aware. That's very interesting, right? Yeah. Remember, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Like this, yeah, but, uh, exactly. Dream. Exactly. Um, and then I mentioned before, everything emits, emits light, a beautiful light. Um, our spirit is pure light. They talk about everything. Everything is light. All the spirits, everybody they see, it, they all have this beautiful light to them. Um, I already talked about the life review. Uh, that was hugely important. Um, and if you ever read mm-hmm. an experience where the person says God was judging me or the spirits were judging me or the spirits were arguing or it, it's, it's not true. It's not real. It's fake. Just turn, yeah. go to the next one. Um, I told you guys yeah. about the barrier. Um, there's almost always this barrier. Like they're told that if you cross that barrier, you can't come back. Right. So there's always like this place where they have to kind of stop and decide. This is when they are deciding or being told they need to come back. Um, Telepathic conversations. I told you about that. Oh, here's another really cool one. People report that they can see 360 degrees. So when they're in their spirit, spiritual form, they can see up, down, back, front, sideways, all at the same time. And so if someone talks about that, they were looking at this or looking at, and they don't specify that they can see 360 degrees. Then you have to question whether or not it's, it's real because that 360 degree thing is very common. 
Um, and then I mentioned that when they go to heaven, they say it was home, right? That they've been there before. And then the last one was, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. is that we've, we always were, and we always will be. Um, those are the, mm-hmm. those are the main commonalities that when you're, when you're reading these things, you can tell if, cause I don't want people to read false experiences and get the wrong idea. And they're, they're out there, but the vast majority of what you're going to read are true firsthand experiences. And that's it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. That's, that's, yeah. that's real good stuff. And, and my final comment on this is it, it just reminded me of back when I was studying a lot of Egyptian, like ancient Egyptian knowledge and history, right? They were very much preoccupied with death mm-hmm. and what happened once you cross. Yeah. Right. And one of the best books on it, Wallace Budge wrote a book called The Book of the Dead or Coming Forth by Dan Knight, where where they talk about this and, you know, when you die and how you go through the judgment and all that good stuff. You know, slightly different. They use a lot of uh, metaphors and soliloquies, things of that nature. I think, which was later on adopted by the different religions and so forth. But same stuff, man. I, hey, we really appreciate you yeah. coming on. Oh, I, I appreciate you guys oh. having me. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll have to do a part two of this um, because there's just so many layers you could just pull yeah. back on um, it. There, one one um, last thing, if I may. There's two websites that I've found a lot of these great experiences. One is NDE. Mm-hmm. RF, so Nancy David Edward Ralph Frank dot, o, dot org. Mm. And if anybody goes there, go to the uh, experiences tab and click click on it and uh, other things will drop down and go to the exceptional experiences first because those seem to be the deepest ones, right? Um, and then there's another site called IANDS dot org. Um, that's, that's another great site. Yeah. If anybody wants to start researching this, which I, you know, strongly suggest you do, if you want to learn the truth of why we're here, um, go to those sites and, and check it out. You'll, you'll, your eyes will be just so opened and your spirit will come be so happy you did it. So, yeah. Wow. So thanks, Scott. Um, this has been an episode of matters of the heart and soul podcast. And we just finished speaking with Scott mm-hmm. Mesta about near death experiences. And I think the, the main takeaway here is while we are here on earth, our mission is to be in unconditional love, give unconditional love. And in every transaction of your life, which your coworkers, your friends, your family, your kids, exhibit that love every single Amen. day um yeah and i i think and this is a whole nother show as well i find it interesting how we all come to unconditional love in our own way or as you say scott the truth because my experience of getting to unconditional love was mm-hmm. totally different um it was a dream And so, and I'm, you know, listening to your experience, it just lets us know that we're all getting to the same place. We just coming from different directions. Yeah. All right, Scott. You're very welcome. Much love. God bless you guys. And uh, talk to you soon. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay.
Peace. Peace.